You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for this Friday, February 9th edition of the Broomfield Enterprise. My name is Elaine. Today, we will be reading from the following main articles. Donut Dolly to speak at the Veterans Museum in Broomfield. And this week, Kelly Rowski talks about people and plants and rhodiola. Carrie Pettis, the bookwoman, reviews a book about a story of privilege from the Museum of Life. The book, One Woman Show, by Christine Colson. Presidential primary election information for Broomfield residents is now available. And Broomfield County population grows most in state. Broomfield Mardi Gras-themed business gala promises a classic revelry with some new twists. These and other articles. Donut Dolly to speak at Veterans Museum in Broomfield. A woman who worked at the American Red Cross during the Vietnam War will speak about her experience at 10 a.m. Saturday at the Broomfield Veterans Museum at 12 Garden Center in Broomfield. Tara Deegan Young will share her experience working as a recreation specialist in the American Red Cross. She was part of a group of women who were nicknamed Donut Dollies as an homage to the donuts they handed out to troops in previous wars. Deegan Young and other Dollies traveled throughout Vietnam to bring cheer to troops and improve morale through programming. The lecture is free and open to the public. Coffee and donuts will be provided. For more information, you can contact the Broomfield Veterans Museum at 303-460-6801. This week, Kelly Rowski is writing about people and plants and rhodiola. Did you know that the World Health Organization has stated that stress is the health epidemic of the 21st century? Stressed is defined as a state of worry or mental tension caused by a difficult situation. It affects everyone in different ways. Prolonged or chronic stress can have some serious health implications. There are numerous plants classified as adaptogens. These plants have been historically used to assist the body and mind in dealing with stress by restoring the body's natural balance. In order for a plant to be considered an adaptogen, it has to meet certain criteria. Number one, be non-toxic at normal doses. Secondly, support the entire body's ability to cope with stress. And three, help the body return to a stable state. Common adaptogens are ashwagandha, ginseng, tulsi, and rhodiola the latter of which is our focus for today. Rhodiola, or Rhodiola rosea, is also known as arctic root or golden root. This herb grows at high altitudes and has a long history of medicinal use in Russia and Scandinavian countries, as well as in traditional Chinese medicine. The Vikings use rhodiola to enhance physical strength and the Sherpa, use it 
to climb at high altitudes. Tiaruna Gong shares that rhodiola is well studied. It's been shown to help the body respond more efficiently to life's daily stressors. She states that rhodiola has been used for at least 3,000 years in northern Eurasia to increase energy, endurance, strength, and mental focus. She does issue a word of caution that rhodiola can be stimulating for some folks. Dr. Josh Axe states that rhodiola may have additional benefits, including the ability to lower cortisol. This, in turn, may help with stress-related symptoms such as abdominal weight gain, thyroid issues, hormone imbalance, decreased memory, and weakened immunity. If you're interested in learning more about creating a healthy lifestyle, and responses to stress, you might like this free illustrated guide from the World Health Organization. Carrie Pettis, the book woman, this week reviews One Woman Show by Christine Colson, a story of privilege from the Museum of Life. This is a unique little book. Colson worked for the Metropolitan Museum of Art for many years, writing the small wall labels for the museum's galleries. She got the idea to write a novel using only those 75 word or less descriptors to carry the story. This book is the result. Each page is a tiny label. The story revolves around Kitty Whitaker a woman of her times. Born in the early 1900s to socialite parents, Kitty grew from privileged schoolgirl to debutante to society bride. Hers is a life of privilege. Along the way, she acquires the habit of stealing small, meaningless items from the homes of her acquaintances and friends. This makes her feel powerful. We follow her through three marriages, a fling with Picasso, and a decline into old age. In her 90s, her eccentricities define her, though in actuality her life had little impact or meaning. She has outgrown the era where her socialite lifestyle was admired, and she doesn't really know how to manage the modern life of 2023. The final panel describes her as once flawless, inevitable, now broken, irrelevant, chipped, cracked, and packed away. This little book can be read in an hour, but the reader will think about it long afterward. Once again, that book is One Woman Show by Christine Colson. Presidential primary election information for Broomfield residents primary election to determine the candidate from each party that will appear on the ballot in November's general election is fast approaching. Broomfield residents can register to vote at govvotecolorado.gov. That's govvotecolorado.gov and will receive ballots in the mail later this month. Keep track of important dates and deadlines and visit broomfield.org forward slash elections for more information. 
On Wednesday, February 7th, the public logic and accuracy testing began at 8.30 in the basement of the George DeCero building. Monday, February 12th, ballots will be mailed to residents. Please allow seven days to receive. Monday, February 26th, voter service and polling centers will open. Residents may vote in person between February 26th and March 5th. Please see your voter instructions included in your ballot packet for a complete, complete list of locations and times. Monday, February 26th, last recommended day to mail your voted ballot. And Tuesday, March 5th is Election Day. Tuesday, March 19th, risk-limiting audit round one, starting at 1 p.m. at the George DeCero City and County Building, will be ballot processing in the basement. And Friday, March 22nd, canvas starting at 8.30 a.m. again at the George DeCero City and County Building, ballot processing in the basement. Broomfield County population grows the most in the state. Broomfield County grew 35% since 2010 to almost 78,000 people. More population growth than any other county in the state over the time period, according to Mayor Gailin Castriota. Castriota showed off the city's growth data at the Broomfield Area Chamber's annual meeting on Thursday, which highlighted positive economic growth and community support for businesses. Those of us who live and work here know that Broomfield is a place that's known to be inclusive and thriving, Castriota said. Broomfield County grew 35% since 2010, almost 78,000 people, more population growth than any other county in the state over the time period, according to Gailene Castriota, the mayor. Castriota showed off the city's growth data at the Broomfield Area Chamber's annual meeting on Thursday, which highlighted positive economic growth and community support for businesses. Those of us who have lived and worked here know that Broomfield is a place that's known to be inclusive and thriving. We're a place of parks and open lands, education and opportunity, and a place that is fiscally and economically successful. At the meeting, past board chair John Waters asked the audience, do you feel blessed and lucky to live in Broomfield? The crowd answered with a resounding yes. It's just an unbelievable place, Waters said. Castriota's State of the City report showed the Broomfield economy is growing and has a solid foundation with fiscal sustainability and resilience remaining top priority for residents and city and county staff. Broomfield's population is largely college-educated, with 60% of residents having a bachelor's degree or higher, according to the presentation. Additionally, Castriota's report showed that at $117,000, the annual median income in Broomfield County is 34% higher than the state average. The meeting, hosted this year by Elevations Credit Union, is the Chamber's annual opportunity to discuss economic updates. The Chamber also saw big gains with 140 new members last year, leading to more than 500 total members this year.
I usually tried to do this off the top of my head with just a couple of notes, but so much has happened in 2023 that I actually had to write it down, according to Patrick Monticelli, the Chamber's president and CEO. Among the Chamber's events last year were 129 member networking opportunities and 40 ribbon cuttings, which Monticelli said he would do every other day if he could, since he said he loves the opportunity to celebrate new Chamber members and new businesses. These numbers speak volumes to the work of not only our staff, but our volunteers, our ambassadors, our board of directors, our city and county, everybody who talks the talk and walks the walk, he said. That's what's really important about these numbers. We couldn't do it without the support of our entire team. 100 Women Who Care is changing Broomfield one quarterly donation at a time. A giving circle that started as a woman gathering donations to buy cribs for new mothers in Michigan has expanded across the country, with Broomfield's chapter giving more than $200,000 back to the community, including more than $15,000 to Daniel the Lion Fund. The Broomfield branch of 100 Women Who Care began with the core principle as the original group founded in Michigan, Teamwork. It's really powerful for a relatively small amount of money each quarter to come together this way, added to the collective donation and being able to do something so much bigger than yourself, according to Heather Karimi. Karimi is a committee member of 100 Women Who Care and handles nominations and nonprofit directory. Each quarter, when the members nominate nonprofits, Karimi helps vet the organizations. Once nominations are complete, Karimi and the rest of the steering committee will randomly select three of the nonprofits to move forward. Group members vote on which of the three nonprofits will receive quarterly donation which consists of 100 individual donations from each member. The final donation is then matched up to 50% by the Schultz Family Foundation, started by Best Buy co-founder Richard Schultz, which manages and matches grants from 100 Women Who Care chapters across the country. By working together and gathering the collective donation, 100 Women Who Care has donated more than $200,000 to nonprofits in Broomfield since the chapter's founding in 2019. Every quarterly meeting, we get to hear members who are passionate about different organizations get up and speak and introduce us to organizations I may not have ever come across otherwise, Karimi said. It's been incredible to give those organizations what may seem like a small amount of money, but in some cases it's more than they've ever been able to get. With each nonprofit being nominated by a member, the women are able to highlight organizations and causes they're passionate about and make a difference they might not be able to make alone. I usually nominate a nonprofit almost every single quarter, so it's actually become a little bit of a joke inside the group. They'll be like, oh, there's Evelyn nominating again, said Evelyn Walter, who serves on the steering committee. She works to help the group find events to sponsor their quarterly meetings, which 
is an approximately $500 commitment for room rental, food, and drinks. This allows 100 women who care to keep their overhead costs virtually non-existent. So all of the donations go directly to the nonprofit of the quarter. Among her frequent nominations, Walter said she has highlighted Rocky Mountain Down Syndrome Association, which works toward inclusive and independence for people with Down Syndrome. She also nominated Be the Gift, which provides practical assistance to single mom homeowners in need of home repair. Most recently, Walter nominated the 2023 fourth quarter winner, Daniel the Lion Fund. Receiving support like this just continues to show how special a place Broomfield really is, said Daniel Jaramillo, co-founder of the fund. I grew up here, and Broomfield has changed so much. But the one thing that's never changed is that it's never gotten too big for that community spirit. Jaramillo and his wife, Jax, started the nonprofit after their son, Daniel, the lion, passed away at 14 months old due to lung problems caused by premature birth. The fund was started as a way to channel their grief into making a difference. The fund supports parents and families with critically ill and terminally ill children, aiding with expensive medical bills, emotional support, and a cast of mascot characters that visit hospitals and birthday parties. This donation is game-changing. We have a smaller budget, but we have big needs after 10 years, he said. In addition to common expenses, Jaramillo explained that the mascot costumes used by the fund to visit sick children and their families are in dire need of updates with many of the current suits falling apart at the seams. He also said he's excited to see how the fund will grow with the additional support. I want to call for more people to get involved in 100 Women Who Care, he said. When I walked into that meeting, it felt different. There was so much sincerity in that room, and you can find so much healing in whatever you're going through by serving others. Once all the donations had been counted at the end of the 2023 fourth quarter meeting last week and were matched by the Schultz Family Foundation, Daniel the Lion Fund received a total of $15,200. Broomfield's $1 million housing fund raises questions. A Broomfield program to help middle-income residents buy homes has sparked concern from some people who work with low-income residents in danger of becoming homeless. The new down payment program is a $1 million fund to help first-time home buyers who make between 80 and 100% of the area median income or $69,000 to $86,000 for one person in Broomfield. Home buyers who fit into the salary parameters can receive a 30-year deferred loan with 2% annual interest, not to exceed 6% of the purchase price or $50,000. Home buyers must contribute at least $2,500 toward the down payment. The federal government sets the salary limits and eligibility annually. Broomfield Council members approved the down payment program in a 9-to-1 vote. Ward 4 Council Member Lori Anderson opposed the measure. 
Anderson and others critical of the program have expressed concern that funding should be allocated toward lower-income residents. We have so much need in our community right now, and for so long we have discussed the most cost-effective way to help people to keep a roof over their head to prevent the spiral, Anderson said in a statement. Therefore, the $1 million allocated could have been better used for rental assistance through Broomfield Nonprofit Partners or other assistance. The $1 million budget for one year of the program is funded by Broomfield's Inclusionary Housing Ordinance, which incentivizes developers to build affordable housing units. Developments that do not include a percentage of affordable housing units can instead make a cash-in-lieu payment, which is allocated to the city's Inclusionary Housing Ordinance Fund. Some have argued that this funding is coming from the IHO funds and not the general fund, but at the end of the day, we have allocated these dollars which are no longer available for consideration for other programs when we discuss nonprofit funding allocation in June, according to Anderson. In the Council's January 23rd meeting, Ward 5 Council Member Todd Cohen asked if the inclusionary housing funds could be allocated to nonprofits. City staffers said there are no formal restrictions on how the money can be spent. When we set the Housing Development Fund, we were looking at creating an opportunity to support development and new programs that support increased housing opportunities, according to Sharon Tessier, the City Housing Policy Manager. Tessier agreed with Jennifer Hoffman, the City and County Manager, that any restrictions on how IHO funds can be used are set internally. She said that any changes on how the funds are allocated would require conversations with developers. Low-income residents, she sees, need help right now, said Dana Scott, executive director of Broomfield Fish, which provides food and housing assistance to residents. We saw 30 people request emergency rent assistance in the first 10 days of January, she said. I really want to encourage you to focus on our most vulnerable residents, I want you to really think about folks who are living at 60% AMI or less, folks who are living unhoused, and folks who are at risk of eviction. A person who makes 60% of the area median income would make up to $52,000 a year according to federal program limits. Scott said the down payment program is a good program, but with limited funding available, she would rather see city officials prioritize residents struggling with housing insecurity or homelessness. At the emergency room, they prioritize patients who have severe trauma and are at risk of dying over those with minimal injuries. I believe that we can allocate resources to work across the spectrum of the need on the AMI continuum, but it requires more funding. Despite concerns, supporters of the program have high hopes for the home buyers who will benefit. First-time home buyers are the program's target, but other residents are eligible as well, including households needing to downsize due to medical reasons and individuals needing to escape domestic violence in their current home. City and county staff estimate that the proposed budget 
would serve about 20 home buyers, but additional funding may be available through the Colorado Department of Local Affairs. Thank you for joining us for Broomfield Enterprise. My name is Elaine. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777.